everybody, welcome to another episode of Same Team, an LGBTQ sports podcast. My name is Daniel Trainer. I am your host. How are you? Thank you very much for listening. Today's episode is very fun and uh, sort of a landmark on the Same Team podcast because I, I did something that I've been wanting to do for a, uh, a long time, maybe as strange as it sounds. I had the opportunity to chat with somebody who has dedicated their life to the sport of bowling. Now, that person is Tim Kulin Coles, and he is fantastic. I, I had a wonderful time chatting with him. Tim is a openly bisexual man. He bowled at Penn State and comes from a bowling family, which, again, is something that maybe I didn't necessarily know existed. A bowling dynasty, if you will. And it was, it was really fun to get to chat with Tim about his story. I, I first became aware of Tim based on an essay he had written for Outsports, which I was a big fan of. You will hear us talk about that. I mentioned this in the podcast, but again, go read it. If you haven't, just search Tim's name and, and Outsports and you'll find it. It was it was a very interesting essay and, and one I really enjoyed. And so, uh, you know, it, it was fun to chat with somebody like Tim who, and this is taking nothing away from the sport of bowling, as you'll hear me tell Tim, I, I am well, at least at some point in my life, was was a bowler myself, was bowling on a regular basis. And it was kind of a, a big part of my life in a strange way, not uh, on the scale that it was for Tim and, and continues to be for him, as you'll hear him say. But it, it's interesting, you know, to talk to somebody who, who who's taken up something that you know, the average person doesn't really know much about. I mean, you know, this is a sports podcast. I'm a sports guy. How somebody gets into the sport of bowling on the level that Tim did and and, and does, uh, I, I really had no experience in. It had no knowledge about. So it was fun to chat with him about uh, all of that. And then, of course, you know, his sexuality and, and, and the idea of bisexuality, the concept of bisexuality, which is so hard for so many people to grasp. And again, something that same team and I think this entire podcast network wants to support is the idea and, and and the realization that bisexuality is a thing. And Tim talks about it in a very interesting, honest way. And I was happy to give him the platform. So, you know, it, it was fun to talk bowling for the first time on this podcast and really for the first extended period of my life. It, it really was a lot of fun, and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. So uh, without any further ado, here is the same team, one-on-one -on -one conversation with bowler extraordinaire, Tim Killen Coles. Thanks for doing this. I'm I'm very excited, I have to say, to talk with you because you are for sure the first uh, bowler that I've had on the podcast. And I, I, I have to say probably the first person who's ever devoted as much of their life to bowling that I've ever talked to just in my life in general. So I have so many questions for you. I'm very excited. Yeah, I know we can uh, 
we can be few and far between. So <laughs> it's not not the biggest surprise. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, listen, I'm I'm glad to have a little bit of your time. So uh, on this podcast, I like to start at the beginning, and I you know f- first became aware of your story because of the uh, the thing you wrote for Outsports, which I really liked. So mm, I know you. I know uh, a bit of your background and how that was sort of bowling centric from the beginning. But tell me about uh, where you grew up and what childhood was like for you. Yeah, so I grew up in a town called Ridley. It's uh, right outside of Philadelphia. And when I say uh, right outside of Philadelphia, it's like five to ten minutes from the Philadelphia airport. It's literally like two towns over. I'm in the city. Okay, okay. So uh, born and raised here. So you can get Uh, away with saying – I mean, do you tell people you're from Philadelphia? I say that right outside of Philly. I okay. don't try to That's claim good. Good I'm for from you. Philadelphia. Listen, good for you. As somebody who was uh, sort of born and raised outside two big cities, like I was born in Michigan, sort of outside of Detroit, and, and then spent a lot of time in Illinois outside of Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people who live an hour outside of both of those cities like to say that they are from Detroit and or Chicago. So I applaud your honesty. Oh, yeah, I know the same people be 45 minutes, hour outside the city. I'm like, no, no, you're not right outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. All right, so you're in Ridley. What are what do you like as a kid? As a kid, I mean, I was a little quieter side. Uh, I did, like, everything as a kid. I was in choir. I did plays. I played. I pretty much tried every sport except for uh, football. Played flag football, but never tackle. I was, a, I was a big kid, so I've been playing with kids that were much older than me. Okay. How, wait, how, are you, how tall are you? Uh, weight wise, oh, <laughs> I'm only okay. like five, eight. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, listen, I mean that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose if you're a bigger kid, your talents aren't necessarily being suited in flag football. Yeah. Flag football is more, you know, just for the entertainment. For sure. For sure. All right. So you're a sports kid. When does bowling come into the picture? Bowling. I started when I was, I believe five years old. I mean, my, um, my mom's side of the family is really into bowling. She was into it, all her siblings, my grandpa. My uh, my grandpa actually has a league that's named after him, like in memoriam at a local alley. That's incredible. So she, she got ingrained in me at a young age. So you're playing bowling at five. I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I do believe when I was five years old, I do believe I was in a bowling league. Right. Yeah. In Novi, Michigan, at Novi Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I did it for at least a couple years. I can like envision the trophies in my head. Um, I did the, yeah, I was in like a bowling league for a couple years. And then, uh, which I want to talk to you as we progress here, I was in a bowling league for like three years, uh, very recently, um, which I need to talk to you about because it was, uh, an experience and, and one that I need to get your sort of input on because I, uh, didn't get any better, over the course of three three years, and I want to know why. But uh, three years, and you just plateaued. No, yeah, well, not. I mean, yeah, sort of. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get into that. I, I have questions okay. for you. But so so you're you're bowling at five. You, you have this sort of like historic bowling family. When does when does bowling sort of become a thing that like uh, it's not just something that you're doing for fun? You sort of realize that you are are quite good at it. It was towards once I got in high school and like I started looking at colleges. It was something that I realized I had at least enough skill where I could compete collegially, maybe not be the top of the best, but I could carry this in t- over into a collegiate career. So what when you're looking at bowling collegiately, I mean, what is good? When Let's say an, an average game for you when you're in high school, you go to the alley, what are you looking to bowl? 
Well, it's a little bit different when you're bowling like in leagues on like Saturday youth leagues. You're just bowling on a basic house shot. It's real easy. But when you get to the collegiate level, you're bowling on sports shots, shots that are closer to like what you see the PBA bowlers bowling on. Wait, so what's what's the difference between the two? <sighs> it's hard to explain. I kind of <laughs> explain it like uh, I'm already I'm already right. shocked at how complicated this is. There's a lot more that goes into it than most people believe. I, I want to know, Tim. This is why you're here. Yeah, so, I mean, on house shots, you have a lot of wiggle room. The way that the oil is laid on the lane, it kind of guides your ball towards the pocket. On uh, a sports shot, you don't get that luxury. Wait, so, on a what house is, shot, so, what is, so what does that mean? Like, if I – so let's say I'm going into sort of your traditional just bowling alley meet, just meet tomorrow. I'm in L.A. I'm going bowling tomorrow. I'm going to the lane that's, that's down the street from my house. That lane – is what is is that something that is like like what, what's how am i trying to phrase this is it, that like it's most likely just going to be a typical house shot okay so that's that i'm getting help from the lane is what you're saying yeah on a typical house shot you probably have like five or six board wiggle room where if you miss where you're trying to throw the ball you'll still get the same results Damn on it. a sports shot you might have like a board or two okay interesting so all right shots, already all of my accurate. bowling dreams are coming crashing down i <laughs> was even worse than i thought it's uh the first time even for good bowlers on house shots the first time you bowl on a sports shot or a pba pattern it's uh, a little bit of a shell shock gee so when did that first happen for you uh actually the summer going into when i moved up to penn state i did my first uh, sports shot league and i think in that previous like fall and spring on house shots, I was averaging like 190s, 200s, and I think my first week of sports shot, I averaged like 140. Okay, wow! So like a huge difference. Yeah, it, you don't expect it until you actually experience it. So w- when you're in high school, uh, how are you bowling? Did your high school have a team? Are you bowling in high school? In high school, I was bowling just on uh, Saturdays in youth leagues at okay. um, a house called me called Sproul Lanes. My high school didn't have a team. Around me, it's mostly just the Catholic schools that have teams. Okay. And you didn't want to subject yourself to that? No, I wasn't going to Catholic school. <laughs> good. Listen, good for you. Um, so, so when you're looking at schools, how much of an influence is whether or not you can bowl there playing into your decision-making process? It was something that I considered, but obviously my education came first. Uh, I I honestly almost didn't go to Penn State. It wasn't until the Sunday before I had to make my decision of where I was going that I ultimately chose Penn State. Oh, wow. Wait, why, why'd you wait so long? <sighs> because I wait on everything. I'm a very <laughs> last-minute person. Okay, all right. I'll so note I, that. I was pretty set on going to a school that's right around the corner from me called Widener. Uh, but when I was ultimately looking at everything, there were three things on my mind. I was looking at where would I be able to take the major I wanted to go for, which was Where would what? be, what's that? Which was what? A statistics. Okay. Ooh. I G- hear gives, that all the time. Gives me a migraine just thinking about it. Yeah, most people, they're like, I can't get past my basic stack course, but I always love statistics. It, uh, it came naturally to me, so it was a good fit for me. All right. Well, I want to ask you, because I, I say, Ugh, I don't know that I really necessarily even know what statistics is, so I want to ask you about that later. But tell me more about your, uh, your college decision-making. Yeah, so that was the first thing, and Widener didn't have the major I wanted. I probably would have had to go for, like, mathematics or something along those lines. Imagine. I was looking at um, what's financially feasible. 
Sure. And Widener is probably like two to three times the cost of Penn State per year. And then my, the third thing was, where would I get the opportunity to possibly bowl? And Penn State offered that for me as well. So Penn State was three for three. Widener, unfortunately, uh, not, not as well. Well, that's interesting to me that growing up a big sports guy, that the allure of going to a big sports school like Penn State wasn't also part of your process. I, I mean, it was. Sports was kind of, the sports teams were kind of on the lower end, but I couldn't complain about going to see uh, Penn State football and Beaver Stadium. For sure. I mean, the, I, I'm, uh, I'm sorry about a couple weeks ago, by the way. You know what? <laughs> Listen, I, I yeah for for anybody listening, uh, I I mean if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that I'm a Michigan State grad, and uh, things have been bad. Uh, things have not been fun football wise. I'm a little more optimistic about basketball, but uh, yeah, Tim, I've been getting a lot of I'm sorry about last weeks from people uh, all season. Unfortunately, I mean you guys have had our number the past couple years though. Well, that is true. I know. I mean, my only I mean, I think the only decent football memory I have from the past two seasons is is beating you guys last year. And then, of course, we you know beat you again the year before that. But that was when we had a little bit better of a season and had a few other memories to draw on. I mean, that's like the only positive thing I can remember from either of these past two seasons was beating you guys last year. So uh, thank you. Yeah, last, last year was painful on uh one of the last plays of the game. Whew, of course. Yeah. I mean, listen, if it means anything to you and it takes any of your sort sort of somber away from it, it's literally the only good football memory I have in the past two and a half years. Yeah. And I know this year's uh, not so great either. Uh, no, things have been better, Tim. Things have been better. So, so you go to, so you go to Penn state. I, I am sort of naive in terms of how bowling works at a university like that. So, I mean, walk me through what, what that's like. I mean, cause I know that you, so when you went to Penn state, you didn't go to what is it, university park? Is that what it's called? Yeah. University park is the main campus until what your junior year. Yeah. So what Penn state has is some students go all four years at main campus, but a lot of students, they do a two and two program okay. where you'll spend the first two years at a branch campus I think there's 20 or 22 branch campuses across the state. Okay. And then uh, your junior year, you can transfer up to main campus. So, so you get like a lot of like your lower level courses, some gen eds out of the way. Sure, sure. So your freshman year, are you are you bowling immediately? No, I didn't get to my junior year because I went to Penn State Brandywine. They didn't have a team. I think Penn State Berks has a team and I think Penn State Altoona might have a women's team okay. but besides that it's only at main campus so then you, so your junior year you get to University Park and and what happens how do, how do things change for you I mean the club's pretty laid back we're not any official uh, women's bowling is NCAA right but men's bowling is not yeah. so it, it's just a club and our club was uh, pretty small I think my freshman year we had maybe 20 25 people and then there's people in there, too, where part competitive, part just leisure for people just want to come out and bowl, have fun. Sure, sure, sure. So here's my question for you, and this is going to be sort of a strange question. But like I said earlier, okay. I have been in bowling leagues uh, at sort of a shocking amount of uh, time lately. Like I, I was in – it was a gay bowling league that I was in in L.A. I did it for the better part of like three years. It was very – Stonewall? Uh, no, uh, VGL. Like varsity okay. gay league, so they, I mean they do a, a, a ton of stuff. But I, I was I, the only thing I've ever done with them was bowling, and so I 
uh, it, it was, you know, it was just very casual and leisurely. And there, it wasn't, I mean, it, it was sort of competitive. I mean, you won money if your team won, but like, it wasn't really that crazy, but I started. And I think by the time I was done in the league three years in, I, I think I had maybe managed to get worse. And I don't, and I don't understand. I don't understand what happened. I, I, it was a, it was a humiliating experience for me, Tim. Slightly embarrassing, but yes. Well, so my question for you, my question for you is: when you are going, so when when you bowl so regularly, when you're going into a day where you're going to go bowling, what are you working on? I mean, how do you get better at something that that is so seemingly sort of singular? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think a lot of it is being able to repeat your shot, repeat your approach. And I've been doing it for 18 years now. A lot of my approach is just muscle memory. So I, I want to be able to hit my target, roll over my target, keep my speed consistent. And I know if I'm having a good shot, if I'm able to repeat that shot, I'm probably going to repeat the same results. Yeah. See, you make it sound so simple. And then I get up there. I'm all on my own head. I try doing something new. I try putting some spin on it. That never goes well. Uh, I mean, I, I say it myself. It, it sounds simple, but then there's some nights I go out there and it's I can't do it for the life of me. It's such a mental game, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, we're, yeah, I'm bowling is a it's a singular sport too. I mean, you're competing as a team, but your shot it's just you. So there's a lot of pressure. You sometimes put a lot of pressure on yourself. Well, of course. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. do you? I mean, is do you go bowling for fun? I mean, when I mean when you bowl now, is it fun? It, has the fun been taken out of it? Are you so competitive and in your own head about everything now, or do you still have fun when you're out there when you're out there bowling? I'm such a competitive person that it's kind of hard to have fun with that at times. Uh, when I'm doing well, I'm having a blast, but sure. If you're having an off night, it can uh, it can get real frustrating. What's what's your best game ever? I've shot at 300 once. Wait, oh man! Back when? in uh, October I'm, of 2015. I'm sure you remember everything about that night. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I remember the game before that. I shot 150. So <laughs> I I wasn't there's the hope. happiest. There's for most hope of that game. for us all. <laughs> we all have our bad games. Uh, listen, I wasn't judging. So yeah, I, uh, it was fun in the end, but for a lot of that game, I was still a little uh, mad at myself and upset about the game before it. Well, that has to be once you get into like the seventh or eighth frame, that has to be just like a completely mental thing, right? I mean, what is it like when you're up there, you know, with your third ball in the tenth frame, knowing that if you if you knock them all down, you have a story for the rest of your life? Yeah, for that game, I honestly i I didn't re realize until the eighth frame. Because I was just, you know, in one of those moods. I look up and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm actually doing pretty well. And that was that was the first time I had more than the first six strikes in a game. But yeah, the uh, the last last shot is definitely nerve wracking. Legs were shaking a little bit. Uh, I almost guttered on the last ball, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, in a way, that's almost a better story if you had managed to do that somehow. Uh, I know one girl that did that, and uh, th the video is funny. <laughs> yeah, you would have been some like weird viral sensation. The guy who throws a gutter ball with a with a three hundred on his on his hand that'd be fun. It would almost have to be one of those things where uh, you kind of have to own it. There's like nothing else you can do. Oh, of course, yeah, no, that'd be great. I mean, yeah, there's nothing else you can do at that point.
So I so you know this podcast is obviously about uh, sports, but then it's also about sexuality. And you know, in, in the outsports thing that you wrote, uh, I thought you wrote very candidly and very honestly about sort of your journey to to bisexuality and fi- and you know sort of coming out and, and and finding your true self. I mean, for people who haven't read it and who you know anybody listening to this who hasn't read it, I would urge you go read Tim's Outsports essay. But you know, tell me about your journey in terms of your sexuality and how that all came to be. Yeah, so it was something I realized, I remember the first day of seventh grade was the first day that I realized I had some attraction to guys. But at the same time, I was always confused, I think, because I was still having crushes on girls. Uh, Most of my romantic attraction was still towards girls. So it was something I always knew the binary, there was straight and gay, but I wasn't too informed or educated on being attracted to both genders. So I never had a problem with it. I want to say it was more an understanding of why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Yeah, of course. I mean, like it's it's that thing of, you know, I think when you get to seventh grade, at least maybe there's some understanding of what being gay means because we've heard it, we've sort of seen it, we're aware of the connotation of that. But I, I can only imagine for somebody who's bisexual who was like, well, I'm sort of that, but I'm also sort of this other thing, too. And I don't know that I necessarily see myself represented in popular culture in the way that maybe some other groups are. It has to be sort of a confusing thing that, that probably puts you in your own head quite a bit. Yeah, especially, what, 10 or so years ago, 12 years ago. I mean, even seeing like a gay character on TV wasn't what it is now, where you can see it every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the past decade, things have changed so much. But I think, too, because we like to split things in the binary where it's like one way or the other, that mix in between doesn't always get represented. Yeah, of course. So as you get older, how does that sort of uh, evolve? And, and how do your sort of attitudes about your sexuality uh you know, come to be because that you know in your outsports story, I know that you talked about you know college and particularly your your sort of later years in college being very influential. How how did things sort of evolve from there? Yeah, so I think it was one of those things that I mean, I easily could have you know I talked to girls, I could have dated girls, but I think I kind of shut down my sexuality in both regards. Where all right, I just didn't want to deal with this, and I was someone that was focused on school, so like dating when I was like in high school wasn't a big deal to me. But uh, I always knew and like I kind of accepted myself, but it wasn't until my, I think it was my sophomore year in college, I took a course, um, a public speaking course, and we had to talk about an oppressed or marginalized group. And I knew I wanted to do something LGBT related, but I wasn't totally sure. So I started doing research about biphobia and the people that kind of fall in between. That's actually when I um, I first discovered Outsports. I found um, Connor Mertens' story. Yeah, Connor, friend of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yep, listen to his podcast. Uh, so that's that was kind of the biggest moment for me when I was like, okay, what I'm feeling is valid. There's other people out there. I don't have to be one or the other. Yeah, and I mean that's that's sort of the beauty of what Outsports does, and and you know this podcast network now is getting stories out there because that certainly wasn't the case like you were saying just you know 
five, ten years ago, stories like Connor's and stories like yours aren't getting out there for people to hear. So, so that public speaking course, when when you're, you know, when you're going up there to to sort of give a, a, a talk about the LGBTQ community in that moment, uh, is that are you saying this is me? No, I didn't ride with that uh, that story at all. I uh, I forget what excuse I came up with to uh, <laughs> kind of kind of talk about LGBT issues, but I mean I wasn't the only one. I think there was there was two other people that talked about. I think one person did trans issues. Okay, but I mean what a, what a sort of a gift to be given in sort of a public speaking course in college to sort of help you find yourself. I mean that's 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 pretty cool. It was a cool experience because I know um, most of the public speaking the professors that taught the same course they would just kind of have their speeches like beyond whatever random things but she wanted to kind of be like a series of speeches that uh kind of progressed and built on what you worked on before wait so why did you have to take a public speaking course it's one of penn state's requirement they require everyone take it everybody at penn state has to take a public speaking course cast 100 yep really that's interesting i've never heard that before and I was glad I took that at uh, Penn State Brandywine because Brandywine only has about uh, 2,000 students. So the classes are like, you know, 20, 30 people. Oh, sure. For, uh, up at main campus, it's uh, a lot larger. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard that before. I mean, I that's I mean, I mean, I like that idea, but God, I can only imagine that's pretty terrifying for a lot of people. Yeah, you can see for a lot of people, it's – I don't really like public speaking, but my professor always thought I did a really good job, so. yeah. Well, so what did you talk about in your in your in your talk? How long is this thing that you have to get up in front of people and, and talk about? I think they were about five minutes long. Uh, I, God, it's been so long now since I've even looked or thought about them. Really. Wait, how old are you now, Tim? I'm 23. Oh God, when you oh listen, to be young like you. Still, this was four years ago. Four. But, oh yeah, God. Four years ago. No, I know. I'm just I'm just messing with you. I mean, four years is a long time, but enjoy your youth, Tim. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Um, yeah. So so your sexuality sort of evolves from there. And, and you know, as you get into your sort of more, uh, you know, upperclassman years at Penn State, particularly when you're on, you know, the main campus, how do uh, how do you sort of fall into line and how do you find yourself? Well, at the time, it was something I kind of told myself, all right, when I move away to college, that's when I'll start being open or whatever. But then, honestly, I think joining a team, I was kind of afraid of losing that camaraderie mm -hmm. that I never ended up coming out until after I was already graduated. Yeah. So when I, when I first moved up there, my idea was I'm going to come out. But then I joined the team, and it's not like that – they made me afraid to come out. I was just, you know, you want to be one of the guys. You want to fit in. This is a whole new group of people you're just meeting. You don't want to make things awkward. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you, you know, do you think in that moment it would have been almost a little bit easier to come out as gay? Because at least I think that's probably easier for sort of a group of straight guys to understand rather than well you know i'm bisexual so you know uh you know i like girls too but yeah yada 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 i think we've gotten to this point where a lot of people i think are are understanding of what it means to be a gay person but i think bisexuality is still a little bit confusing to some people i mean that's something i thought of 
back in like seventh and eighth grade when I was first starting to understand. I was like, all right, I know I like guys. I like girls also. It's one of those things where, you know, you kiss a guy once, all of a sudden you're gay. You're like, <laughs> right. one, one drop and you might as well be full blown. <laughs> right, sure. So yeah, that was something that was in my mind, but I knew that wasn't right. That wasn't me. Yeah. but so, so, I, so, I think from a standpoint, it may have been easier because, yeah, it's something that people understand more. They're more accustomed to. So then how do you get to the point where you, where you do eventually come out as, as being a bisexual man? That was, uh, that was an ugly night. I did, that did not happen the way I had hoped I would do that. Oh, no. Are we going to get into the, the thick of it here, Tim? Well, my plan always was, you know, all right, if I'm ever dating a guy, then, like, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to, like, sneak around. I'd, like, introduce him to family and friends and all that. But then uh, it was beginning of April, and uh, I'd been talking to this guy for, like, a month, month and a half or so. How'd you guys meet? Kind of, what's that? How'd you guys meet? Uh, Tinder. Okay. Classy. You know. Yeah, so it got to a point where um, he was just kind of like he didn't want to talk anymore. And I, I, I was upset about it, obviously. And uh, there, there was some alcohol involved. <laughs> Listen, so I, any... But I was at the point where like, I didn't have anyone to talk to. Yeah, I was tired of like, keeping everything to myself. And I, told, uh, I texted my friend Sam because like, I was texting her previously and she could tell I was upset. Eventually, I was... The way she was she, interpreting, she was like, this sounds like it's a girl. What's going on? And I was like, actually, it's about a guy. I'm bi. And then kind of explained the whole situation. Well, that, I mean, that doesn't sound so bad. What's wrong with that? I mean, it sounds like you got your heart broken a little bit. I apologize for that. But I mean, you know, that sounds, yeah, that sounds like I mean, a pretty I, typical I coming out story. I can admit to that. I mean, that was the first person I had talked like, no, the, you don't, no, you don't talked need to, to in years. You don't need to apologize about overreacting. That sounds like a pretty accurate reaction to something like that. Yeah. And you know, the saying how like, uh, gay or bi men in their 20s or dating like they're in middle school because they didn't have that experience in the past that's uh that's kind of what that felt like in retrospect yeah i mean i i think that's a pretty true thing i mean i i've certainly felt that i think that is a thing you know it's you know if you're a gay or a bi man i think your your sort of progression as a just a sexual being is so de- not for everybody i guess but for most people is so delayed just based on society that you know you find yourself as you know a, a college kid and you've never gone through some of the experiences that a lot of your peers went through when they were in middle school it's sort of a jarring thing to like have your heart broken for the first time when you're you know 22 or something um, yeah, it's definitely a different experience. You, you think you'd be more mature, but I mean, you never dealt with what a lot of people have already gone through when oh, they were listen, much younger. No, listen, I, I mean, I think a first first heartbreak is first heartbreak. If that happens when you're, you know, eight or 14 or 25 or 47, whatever it is, I think that pain is still the same thing no matter when it happens. So, So you tell your friend that it's about uh, it's about a guy, not a girl. And how does she react? Uh, she was supportive. She, you know, she's like, she doesn't care all that. She, uh, ironically enough, she is the girl that, um, I had a crush on in high school. Oh my God. Uh, the world turns. Oh uh, yeah. How, how, the, how times have changed. And then, uh, <laughs> but she was supportive, you know, she was just telling me things are going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And then, uh, a little bit after that, 
I um, told a bunch of the guys on my bowling team in a snap group we had. And uh, uh, funny tell- enough, it so was... You uh, came out to people on Snapchat? Yeah, we had like a snap group with like seven you're or eight so of much us young- that you're I, so much I younger- just told them in that. So much younger than me. I don't even... I mean, how does one do that? You like send like a weird emoji. You're like, I'm by. No, I, I, you, I mean, you can send like messages, text and all that. So I just said in there, I was like, guys, I'm, I'm just done dealing with this. I'm done hiding with this. Well, that's, this is, this is what's happening. That, well, that's pretty beautiful. So how did, how did they react? They, um, they were supportive. I, they, um, you know, they apologize for like anything that's been said in the past. They never meant anything by that. No, like, we're here for you if you need anything. You need to talk about anything. Well, that's all you can ask for, right? Yeah. That sounds pretty positive. I, I felt a little bad, though, because uh, it was the night before they were competing in nationals <laughs> at, like, 1230. So yeah. it was, like, wasn't the best timing for that. But Well, go big or go home, Tim. I mean, mm-hmm. listen. Exactly. Shoot your shot. Mm-hmm. So, uh how have you, if, if I can ask, have, have you had conversations with your family about this? It's kind of been something that hasn't come up. I talked to my dad, obviously. Um, I told him the, like, the morning, that Saturday when it happened. And then we kind of just like ignored it until the like Thursday. He's like, so are we going to talk about what you told me? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I guess we got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Because it's something for me, I always just, I wanted to be what it is. I didn't want it to be a big deal. It, I mean, it just is what it is. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's a weird thing because I think people want to make sort of a coming out story about themselves, right? Like if you come mm-hmm. out to somebody, uh, you know, a family member or a friend, I think they, if they're coming at it from the wrong way, I should say, they enjoy making it about themselves, right? And sort of want to ask questions and do a whole thing and blah, 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 blah. And I think if, if that's positive, if that goes well, that's, that's a nice thing. But it, it can sometimes, I think, maybe go the other way if, you know, somebody like, you know, you're saying you want it to sort of maybe be not so much of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it can be tough to be like, you know, this, this is who I am. This is what's going on. Um, and, you know, maybe I would appreciate not having to, you know, have a, a hour and a half conversation about it. Yeah, I had, um, I think only one of my aunts texted me, like, after I posted my article, because my article was my coming out to most people in my extended family. Right. Uh, she texted me, you know, we love you, support you, all that. We're happy for you. And one of my uncles came over, like, I think that weekend, he was asking me some things. And he asked me, I mean, a typical question, like, what you could have told us, why didn't you ever tell us? I'm like, I never, uh, Isn't that I don't the know. worst? It's not isn't something the, I mean, that I felt like I needed to do. I know. Is it, I mean, that reaction is always so funny to me. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to slam your uncle here. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, oh, no, I'm not either. It's, no, it's I, just, I was like, oh, I knew that question was going to come from someone. I know it is. Yeah, it is. Always, I love the reaction. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, I love the reaction of like, why didn't you tell us sooner? Or you should have mm. done this earlier. It's like, just, just shut up. Just, just. Like, oh, I, I know I should have done this sooner, but. Uh. Well, no, no, it's not even that. It's not. No, I, I mean, it's like I did it when the time was right. This isn't about you. Like, I'm just, you know, but. I don't know. Let things happen as they happen, I guess. Yeah, I, I never had like any worries that like things were going to go bad or people were going to be against it. But 
it was just something that I I just didn't want to deal with for a while until of I kind of had to deal with it. Uh, so what? Tell me what a statistics major does. So I was going for um, actuarial, which they're pretty I, much the people that predict when you're going to die for insurance companies. <laughs> but the uh, that's, how do you? That's you, the honest answer there. That's wait. So what? Okay, right, we got to backtrack so, here. Actuaries—they're the ones that um, they do like the rate making for insurance companies. So they wait. So what? So you you tell me when I'm going to die? That's like a joke that like uh, we kind of say. Okay, so that that's a major. What do you do all the time? Well, well, I there's a bunch of actuarial exams you have to pass if you want to go that route. I took three of them and failed all of them. So okay, I was like, all well, right, now's no, not the time to do maybe this. Maybe not the path for you. So now uh, I'm working as a uh, data analyst for a startup company. Okay, walk me through what that means because it sounds very smart. And I've watched the first four seasons of Silicon Valley, Tim. I know how these – I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but I, I have never seen Silicon Valley, so. It's uh, – yeah, you're fine. Um, not so, missing out on much? No, well, no, it was good for a while. I enjoyed it for the first, I don't know, maybe three or four seasons. I don't think I've watched maybe the past two. I think some people involved in the show are less than ideal, but uh, moving on. So walk me through what you do now, because it sounds very smart, uh, and I'm glad that there are people like you in the world doing it, because uh, Lord knows I could not. Yeah, so basically what we do is uh, analytic consulting with uh, pharmaceutical companies. Basically, they come, they come to us with their data. We help them analyze it, tell them what they want to know. Number crunching is a big thing. So you love numbers. You're a numbers guy. Oh, uh, yeah. And that, uh, my love for statistics and numbers really all stemmed from my love for baseball. Because I mean, you you can't talk baseball without statistics. Really. I was gonna say I know that you're a big I know that you're a big baseball guy, a big Phillies fan, right? Oh, uh, die hard, die hard. How's Bryce Harper doing? He's doing well. He was not our problem this year. Okay, is he okay though? I mean, this must be difficult for him. I, I think he's doing well, okay. especially uh, the paychecks he's getting. I, I think he's doing just okay. Listen, I love Bryce Harper for. Well, for obvious reasons, but... Um, and I mean, there's 12 more years to go. We, we can't judge everything <laughs> on one year. No, 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 that's... No, I'm, I don't mean... Listen, I, I would be thrilled if Bryce Harper was on the Tigers. I'd be thrilled if Bryce Harper was on my team, but I'm just saying, I... You know... I'm a Tiger fan, too. Oh. Tim, let, oh, Tim, if you want to get into the thick of it, things have quite literally never been worse for... Uh, a, a Michigan area sports fan at the moment. But we, we honestly we don't need to get into it. But yeah, the Tigers are. Uh, I won't kick you while you're down. Uh, no, thank you. That's fine. I'm going to. Uh, uh, Tim and I are recording this on a Monday. I'm going to see the Red Wings play in Anaheim uh, tomorrow night, uh, and then this podcast will come out Wednesday. The next day, I'll be going to see them in LA. Uh, just say a prayer for me that they don't get killed in both games. Uh, I need some happiness in my life. Um, I'm not a big hockey fan, so I can't uh, make too many comments there. Not a Flyers fan, eh? I'll watch them on their own, but I don't know. They've always been mediocre. Yeah, the Flyers have kind of been in that sort of like gray area for a long time, right? Sort of like not terrible, but certainly not very good. Yeah, they've been good enough. They can get in the playoffs, but they can't do anything in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, We got gritty, though. 
I mean, that that does sort of speak to where your franchise is, right? When your mascot is sort of the hallmark of the franchise, that's not a great sign. Yeah, you don't want that to be your number one thing going for you. No. So you love numbers. You love baseball. So why? So, yeah, I mean, your Phillies fandom, you, you're a season ticket holder, right? Yeah, me and my dad, we've had uh, Sunday season tickets since 2003. So Wait, what 16- is that? Wait, what is that? Sunday season tickets? Yeah, so we have all the uh, home Sunday games. It's usually uh, 13 games a year. Oh, see, that's fun. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's nice because, you know, Sunday's usually during the day unless it's Sunday night baseball. So one one thirty game out of there by 4.30. It's a, it's a nice way to spend the uh, Sunday afternoons with my dad. Oh, that sounds great. I love that. Yeah, so- it's a lot of fun. And then we usually we go to opening day we've been going to for the past... 11 years nice. we always get, get games here and there i i think i've been to about 300 phillies games in my life probably wow. wow wow do you travel do you go see them on the road uh we've seen them three times i went out to pittsburgh twice and baltimore once hey, you got to come out to the west coast baby would love to I'd, lo- I'd love to see uh san francisco their park I know. I've never been there. I always I, this podcast can often turn into a, a stadiums podcast because I'm like obsessed with just stadiums and arenas and all that. But I've never I've never been to San Francisco. I've been to uh, I've been to Dodger Stadium. I've been to Angel Stadium. I've been to whatever it's called in San Diego. I think it's still Petco Park. I yeah, don't Petco. Even, I didn't even know. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I've been to the Coliseum in Oakland. So uh, San Francisco is the only one I haven't been to, which is called what now? Oracle Park? Yeah, Oracle Park. Uh, Yeah, have not been there. Uh, Would love to. But uh, I love that. I mean, being, I, I, yeah, like a a season ticket holder to a franchise for that long and having it be such a family thing is such a sort of specific thing. And I feel like something I have to sort of explain to friends of mine who are not necessarily in the sports world just like like well why do you like sports and you're like well yeah you know it's a lifeline to my family and my friends and my my hometown and and my memories and all this it's like you know just the idea of you and your dad going to baseball games on sunday afternoon sounds like uh something i would very much enjoy yeah it's a great bonding experience with him and even like the people around you you know well that's y'all Everyone rallying around one team, one city. It's a great atmosphere. Oh, I'm about to cry. Um, so, <laughs> so where, so where do things stand now with you in terms of in terms of your sexuality and that journey and and where you are and in terms of you know I don't want to ask you about your dating life, but I guess I'm asking you about your dating life um, and and your life now. I mean, where do things stand? Yeah, I'm starting to finally uh, be more open and. Because I came out, but then at first it was still kind of like, all right, that's like all it is. I wasn't really ingrained in the culture at all. But uh, I joined uh, Stonewall Sports in Philadelphia. Okay, I did cool. uh, kickball and bowling this season. So, wait, so started... you did – wait, hold on just a second. So you did the gay bowling league? I did. I that's did. not I was, I was, fair. I was not a ringer. I was not a ringer. That's not fair. I hindered myself. I only used – I, I use my worst bowling ball that I have. Oh my! So I, God. I tried to, you know, not have a huge advantage. 
Wait, so you were one of those people walking into the bowling league with their own bowling ball. I was always, always so intimidated. If we were playing a team that with somebody who had their own ball, I was like, well, we're done. I mean, I'm leaving. This is, this is the, we're done. I'm going to go home. Oh, my, um, my like leagues that I'm in back home on Tuesdays, I'm walking in with four. You, you have four bowling balls? I have four, five, six, seven drilled and four undrilled right now. That's okay. Psychotic. But what do you, how are you? Okay. Here's the question of, of the podcast. How do you walk into a bowling alley with four bowling balls? You have a bag that holds three of them, has a wheel on it. So uh, it's nice and easy oh to drag. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. One of those people. One you're, of those ser- people. you're serious about this. When you, so, I mean, me bowling in, uh, in, in a bowling league is primarily just an excuse to drink on a Monday night. Do you drink when you're bowling? I do not. That's, uh, I don't like mixing the two when I'm bowling. I want to bowl. I want to focus, compete. So you must kill everybody because if your league is anything like mine, everybody is hammered by the third game of the night. So you're not only the best bowler there, you're sober. I'm not the best bowler there, but, uh, but my one league, I think I'm one or two, but I've been uh, subbing on Wednesdays and Monday nights. When I, I was just bowling tonight, I, uh, I did okay. I shot two, 213, 227, 187. So I averaged like 210 on the night, but relative to that league, it, that's like an okay night. There are a lot of good bowlers in that league. Really? Okay, interesting. I oh. think the league average is a 200 for everyone in the league. Oh, God, well, we're in. We were in different bowling leagues. Let me yeah, tell yeah, it's you. very. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to speak too ill of the people I was in a league with, but uh, yeah, I don't think many people were cracking two. Yeah, so I. I it's not that like I want to say sober and beat everyone when they're drinking. It's just I, I keep the two separate. No, listen, good for you. You have a, you know, sort of a. An ability to do that that I do not, and I uh, congratulate you. Yeah, um, the one guy on my um, my team on Tuesday nights, he, he asked me, I was like, hey, do you want to drink? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't like drinking when I'm bowling. He's like, but that, that's the best time to, to drink. What are you talking about? Okay, well, this guy I like. <laughs> not that I don't like you. Mm-hmm. That came out wrong, Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ouch. No, I'm just kidding. But I would love, I would love a uh, a bowling lesson from you. So you need to come out and not just go uh, to San Francisco. Uh, whenever the Philly schedule comes out, ne- well, I guess, well, I guess, are they? Well, we will have to find out if they're playing down here next year. I guess they're probably not. Yeah, we go to San Fran every year. Well, yeah, well, I know I don't want to go all the way up there. L.A. We go there every year. The Dodgers. Oh, right. Of course. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, let's do that. You'll come. Yeah. Come to the Phillies, play the Dodgers, and then we'll go bowling. Won't that be fun? Get, give you a little lesson. God, it can't get much worse, Tim. So, <laughs> for, for what you're telling me, yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I can't. Like, if I crack, if I crack 150, I'm, like, buying a lottery ticket that night. Like, it is, we're off and running. I'll bet I'm not the best teacher, but, uh, you know, anything helps. Anything helps. Well, what did you teach me earlier? The, there's two types of – there's sport and what is it? There's sport and house patterns. And the house patterns. All right. Well, as long as we're on sport patterns, I'm good to go. No, you don't want to be on sport patterns. Oh, shit. I want to be on the other one? 
<laughs> yeah, house pattern. House. house pattern. Oh God. See, I've learned nothing. Oh man. Well, see, I, more to learn. You need to come out and teach me. That's not even getting to uh, balls. Why I have so many. <laughs> uh, I know. Well, that's. I mean. That speaks to also how bad I am at bowling. If, if like, I don't know. I don't even know what sort of bowling ball I like. I'll just throw one. If it doesn't work, I'll pick up another one and throw that one. So I, uh, now that, that I'm saying, I can relate to like golf clubs, like if you don't know golf, like a club is a club, but th- right. there's a lot that goes in the bowling balls as well. Oh God. So much to learn, Tim. So much to learn. Th- there's a lot. <laughs> oh God. Well, you know, uh, this has been great. I, I have loved chatting with you about bowling and, you know, I, I feel even worse about my bowling skills now, uh, now that we're at the end of this conversation, because I realize I haven't done it in so long and, uh, you're a lot better than me. That wasn't my intention. If you're shooting 150 though, that's better than a lot of people I know. Oh no, 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 Tim. I said, if I shoot a 150, I'm buying a lottery ticket. My, uh... my average would be, I'll tell you off the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I'm embarrassed to say it on here. Um, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. I it, It's been such a thrill to just badger you with questions about why I'm bad at bowling and then also uh, about your life. It's It's been really fun. And like I said, I mean, if, if you haven't uh, read Tim's Outsports essay about his life, you should absolutely go and do that because um, I think, you know, your story is, is very important and it's always exciting and um, you know, I, I think impactful for me to talk to people who are who are bisexual because I, I think that's an important part of the LGBTQ spectrum that that maybe gets ignored sometimes. So, so thanks for your story and thanks for your time, Tim. Yeah, of course. I mean, the reason I one of the reasons I wrote that article was for visibility. I mean, visibility for me was what finally pushed me to finally start accepting myself and embracing it. So I just kind of wanted to be a part of that movement and another face. Yeah, man. Well, you you've certainly done that. So congratulations and uh, and you know, best of luck moving forward. You're you're smarter than I am, and I'm sure one day I'll I'll text you with some math question that you'll be able to help me with. Yeah, whenever you need it. I love that stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Tim. Uh, this is uh this is great. Thanks for your time, and we'll uh, we'll chat soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. guys that's it do you do you feel like you know more about bowling now i i do i mean i i i guess what i know now is that i'm even worse than i thought uh which is depressing because i've already been in my head about how bad i am already but you know what are you gonna do uh thank you to tim for his time i i had a blast chatting with him it, it, it's so fun to talk to somebody who is an expert in something that you don't really know that much about and i think that's why this podcast is so fun and, and why this network is so fun and, and why i appreciate your time listening so much and of course thank you to tim for his time he's so much smarter in, in so many ways that that i could ever be and and you know it's like every time i have a, a complicated math question or, or or something to do with i don't know my taxes I'm going to hit him up. Thanks, Tim. Uh, And thank you for listening. Same team, Daniel Trainer signing off. We will be back uh, two Wednesdays from now. Appreciate your time. Talk to you then. Bye.